Hi, and welcome to The Unveiling. I'm Tim, one of the hosts, and along with Ajay and Mark, we are three guys discussing the one true gospel. We hope you're encouraged by this episode. Let's dive right in. Hello, and welcome to The Unveiling with your hosts, Ajay, Mark, and Tim. This is episode 50, so I'm sure you're expecting a special episode, and by golly, we are going to deliver because this is our New Year's Day special. We're actually releasing this uh, January 1st, 2023. Hey, guys, new new year, new podcast, right? There we go. Same, <laughs> same glorious message, though. Exactly. Yeah, it's much as new every day. Yep, we're not going to change much, that's for sure. So, but uh, just as a teaser, next week uh, for our next episode, we are going to be doing a couple of special things. So make sure you check back with us then. But in the theme of New Year, uh, one of the things that came to mind recently was the idea of making New Year's resolutions. Now, uh, guys, either one of you, or both, in fact, both of you, instances, either one of you make New Year's resolutions? Mark, I'm hoping to get off the heroin this year. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but no, this is a joke, obviously. No, I don't tend to make New Year's resolutions, really don't. Maybe when I was younger, I did. I think as we get older and wiser, we realize that our, our batting average isn't real good. So try to live more day, day to day by the spirit and grow, grow through him instead of trying to do it in one big spurt at the beginning of the year. <laughs> Ajay, how about you? Yeah, me neither, Tim. Uh, I don't know. For some reason, I never uh, uh, made any resolutions because I really, even before knowing grace or before knowing grace, I didn't really have much confidence in me. So like Paul said, you know, in me, that is in my flesh. At that point, I didn't know but nothing good well. So that's kind of literally true for me. So there's no point of uh, making resolutions for me. So I never really attempted that, yeah. Well. I'm a little bit more like Mark. I used to make them. I don't anymore. Uh, and uh, Mark, is, you and I were talking about this at some point uh, recently, and you said, you know, New Year's resolutions are just a joke, that they're a late-night comedy line, you know. And so I, did, I just looked it up, and apparently only about 60% of people will admit to making New Year's resolutions. And of them, only 8% report that they successfully accomplished their New Year's resolution. So, you know, again, as we come older and wiser, we realize we're really kind of setting ourselves up for failure by just setting an arbitrary set of rules at an arbitrary time. So they don't mean much. But it makes me hearken back to an episode we did called Jesus Christ and Him Crucified. And Paul starts that sentence with, for yeah, I, maybe tell me if I'm misquoting this. For I am resolved when I, or for when I was with you, I resolved to know nothing but Jesus Christ and Him crucified. His resolved and our resolution are the same root word, and they mean very, very similar things. Um, so resolutions themselves aren't a bad thing. Uh, I will say at the beginning of this discussion, if you are resolving to do something because you're a Christian and you are trying to please God or get something, you know, if I, I'm going to resolve to give more money in, there, in the offerings to tithe so I can, you know, God will give me more financial blessings. That's no, that's not going to happen. That's not going to work. No. That's just not in the cards for you guys for, if you're doing that. But I mean, if you want to resolve to 
hit the gym more or call your parents more or whatever, you know, fleshly thing you're doing that there's nothing wrong with that, but don't be mistaken when it comes to God. But Paul said he did resolve to do something for God. And that was to know Jesus Christ and him crucified and that, that above all and, and only from there. So, um, hopefully, I didn't give away too much of the entire episode because I know that's uh, that we're gonna we're gonna go through a couple different things. But uh, Mark, why don't you take it away from here? Sure. I want to start just with a quick example. Something I had mentioned to you today in texting that I heard. I, I, it's been years, but I heard that like one of the top times of the year for home exercise equipment sales is coming up through Christmas, coming up to the first of the year when people, and right after, people make their resolutions. And then the best time to buy used equipment is that spring (laughs) because the exercise bikes and the weight systems have all been sitting in the basement like new, you know. Hanging our laundry on it, I'm telling you. Yep, yep. So it's just, and, and I think it's just a great example what Paul and the Bible talk about so much, that we all have great intentions, but our follow-through is never as good of our intentions because of the weakness of our flesh. In fact, that's why the law is useless. Not that the law was bad, Romans, the first chapter of Romans 8, uh, paragraphs of Romans 8 tells us, but that it was weakened by the flesh. And Paul, one of his most famous things here is in Romans 7, where he said, For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. For if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. And what I love about this whole paragraph, at the end he says, Who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God for the victory victory we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the state of affairs, and it's probably the reason why we're no good at resolutions either. You know, I mean, under the law, it's always our desire to do all these good things. Nobody can say, you know, not lusting for a woman in your heart is is a is is not a good thing. Yeah, it's good to be pure. It's good to stay faithful to our wives. Nobody can say that do not murder is not a good thing. Jesus said, do not be angry with your brother for no cause. We know there's a good things, but we fall into them because of the weakness our own weakness of our flesh is the way the way the Bible puts it. Uh, maybe a more more modern day way of putting that is just in our own power, you know, in our own abilities and trying. They never match the height of the goals we set for ourselves, and and we know that. The standard, if we're going to do that, is perfection. If we're going to try to meet the law. We have to do it perfectly. So you miss one of those resolutions, and you're, it's over, you know. The curse of the law is now on you. Yeah, Mark, as you are uh, talking about it, I am reminded of uh, our favorite chapter, Second Corinthians chapter 3. He says uh, in chapter 3, uh, verse 5, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, 
who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit, but the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. So here Paul is clearly saying that, you know, our sufficiency is of God, not ourselves. So usually, I don't know, maybe uh, I, I don't want to generalize it, but to the vast extent, when you uh, make a new resolution, right, you're basically depending on yourself most of the time. Oh, I am deciding to do this, you know, I've been trying to do this. So this time I really want to do that. Most of the time, the resolutions are about, you know, you've been trying to do before you failed and now this time I really want to do it kind of thing. So it is more about, you know, what we could do. And the dependency is not on God, but dependency on ourselves. And uh, Mark, as you said, you know, if you depend on flesh, which is our old man, we are doomed to fail. So we can make resolutions, you know, there's nothing wrong with good intentions, but the end result is uh, failure. And the second thing is, I also feel like uh, these resolutions are a bondage, right? And let's say, you know, I want to go to gym every day, but you fail to do that, right? You know, every time you don't go, uh, you condemn yourself. You start, oh my God, I'm so bad. And and also, you know, as if that resolution is the most important thing in your life, you are just keep on keeping at it and everything else becomes less important. But, you know, maybe there are more important things in life than going to gym. So it's probably better not to worry too much about what we wanted to do and what we are not doing, but rather let go and let God do things in our life. So it kind of sounds like what you're saying, Ajay, is even when the 8% managed to complete their resolutions, at what cost? Right, right. Is what you're asking. Yeah. To the detriment of what? Now the end of another year comes and you realize, oh, because I was so busy focusing on this, I didn't do this, this, or this. So I'm going to do this, this, and this more now. Yeah. It's a, it's, gee, Mark, my favorite rodent is going to come into play here. It's the <laughs> hamster wheel all over or it. Or the yeah. gerbil wheel, depending on your <laughs> preference. <laughs> but, but it's that endless cycle of, I may, you know, if you squeeze a balloon, sure, you get the middle all nice and small, but now your two ends are all puffed yeah, up and out of now you gotta yeah. now you gotta get those down and oops your piddle pops back you just can't win the whole thing oh that's a great i never never heard that uh that illustration that's great though you know, one thing i want to point out tim in the scripture you read about paul's resolution to know nothing but christ and him crucified that was not a resolution that he made in his flesh according to his own abilities. And I know that because if you read what he said right before and after, he said when he came to the Corinthians, he didn't come with eloquence or human wisdom as you proclaim the testimony of God. That's his own stuff. That's my own eloquence, my own wisdom. And then afterward, he said when he came, where is this? He result, uh, where, oh, I don't have the second half, but he said he didn't come with strong and persuasive arguments, but with his preaching and his message were with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. So when he came resolving to know nothing but Christ, he wasn't coming doing it with his own strength. We like to say pulling his bootstraps up. Uh, he knew that that was futile because he had been preaching the gospel for many years by this point, And he saw, he knew not only what the truth was because it was giving, given to him directly from Christ, but he saw the fruit of what he preached. And that if he did it 
according to his own wisdom. Another way he put it later on is he didn't do that lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. So even in this very thing, resolving to know nothing but Christ and him crucified, he didn't do that by his own wisdom or eloquence or power or strength or abilities, but by the Spirit. Well, you had you had me worried for a second, Mark. I thought you were going to say the reason Paul's resolution wasn't the same was because it wasn't on New Year's and therefore didn't count. <laughs> that, 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 well, I was going to go that way, and I thought it might be a little silly, Tim, for our listeners. So thanks for sharing. <laughs> no, I think in the footnote it is there. It's a New Year's resolution. <laughs> in, the orig- in the original Greek, I believe, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Mark, uh, I also wanted to point out that, you know, Paul made a resolution not to do something, but to know a person. So knowing Christ is always a good thing. It's not about our doing, but actually knowing our Lord Jesus Christ. Just wanted to point that out. That's a very good point, And I never saw that before, but that is his wording, to know nothing but Christ. So, We usually tend to think of that sentence, I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. We think of that as what he was going to preach to them. That And that is, I'm sure, one of the meetings, because he's talking about that when he preached and his message was with the power of the Spirit. But I think it was also about the way he lived while he was there, was to know nothing but Christ. That was his focus in his own life, as well as his preaching. That's awesome that you pointed that out, Aj. I've never seen that before. You know, another thing that strikes me is that much like the law, resolutions have no power to give us to accomplish them. The law has no power to give us uh, any energy or the, the, you know, the will or whatever to keep it. It only has the ability to point out when we don't keep it. And resolutions are just so similar that they, they're, they're, they're self-law more or less. There's, there's self-work, yeah. self-law. You're setting up your own commandment, basically. Yeah. Thou shalt go to the gym. Thou shalt lose weight. You know, thou shalt not eat chocolate eclairs before bed. Right. Those, are, like those can all be found in second opinions. There you go, man. That's my favorite book. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point, Tim. I know the resolutions have no power. One of the reasons people make resolutions is because they don't realize that uh, they have no power. So that's an awesome truth that these resolutions have no power. The only power we have is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And and just to finish up with that 1 Corinthians 2, where Paul said, and the first time I read that, it put pressure on me because it's like, oh, man, because I I, I get the opportunity to preach and I'm a worship leader. And I thought, wow, anytime I speak now, I've got to have a demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power. And that like I'm made me like even more nervous about speaking in front of people about Jesus. But then I realized he didn't say he came up with that power. He said, My message and my preaching. It's the message of Jesus Christ and him crucified. The gospel is where the power is. Not only for preaching, but for our lives and any goal or thing we'd like to good thing in our lives, that's where the power is going to come from, from our relationship with Christ and, and his spirit in us. Yeah, I want to camp here a little bit on this verse, if you are okay. Sure. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, of course, you know, our whole ministry is about Christ and him crucified. This message is about, you know, again, talking about resolutions. 
typically resolutions are about doing something, right? You know, completing the unfinished work. Oh, I have not been doing that. You know, let me do that now. At least finally, I'll try to do it and keep doing it. But when we look at the cross, when we look at Christ and Him crucified, it is the work is finished. That's what the Bible says, right? So God, after just as in Hebrews, it is there, just as God on the seventh day, He entered His rest, our Lord Jesus Christ. He purged our sins, and then he sat at the right hand of God. So he did everything that is required for our forgiveness of sins and for our eternal life and life and godliness as we live in this world. He completed it. So when we look at the cross, what we see is a finished work. So when we realize and see that the work is finished, what is our response? Our response is not to resolve to do more, but our response is to rest. So again, the finished work of Lord Jesus Christ means that we rest now. And Hebrew says, just as God entered his rest on the seventh day, Bible says, you know, he that has, uh, uh, you know, he has entered the rest, has ceased from his own works. I will just read that one. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse, um, verse 10. He who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works, just as God did from his. So we stop all working in order to get anything from God, or we even stop working from improving ourselves. Most of the work is related to self-improvement. But the Bible says, right, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away, and new things have, all things have become new. And the Bible also talks about, you know, put on the new man. This new man is already complete. And in Colossians, Bible says, you know, we are complete in him. So the reason we resolve to do something is, you know, we are trying to finish something. But when we realize the work is finished and we are made complete in Christ, our only response is resting in the truth. I'd love to complete the next line there for you, Ajay. It says, and I love Paul's irony and play on words here. And because he knows how we are, what human nature is, he says, if we're going to labor then, he says, because that's what we're always prone to do, he says, let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any men fall after the same example of unbelief. And I love that. It's kind of a little irony there. Look, if we've got to work for something, let's work to rest in what Christ did. And when you think about what does it mean to rest in Christ, it's it's kind of... um little bit of a nebulous thing, but I think he explains it by saying not falling after the same example of unbelief. Another way of putting resting in Christ is believing in what he did on the cross, trusting that it's enough, and um, putting your faith that it, the work is finished. And that might take us a little labor, not, the, not laboring in a physical work effort kind of way, but believing to enter into that rest that what Christ has done is enough and more than enough. You are flying in the face of the things that my children were taught in Sunday school and in church in the 80s and 90s with their little WWJD bracelets on all the time, right? What would yeah. Jesus do? They, the encouragement, and it seems on the, you know, on at one level on the surface, it seems encouraging and and wise. Think about what God would do and try to emulate that, to, you know, do this work that he would do. But it's 
completely backwards. Yeah. It shouldn't be what would Jesus do, but so it should be something more like, so who is Jesus? Yeah. And the thing is that if it, what was Jesus do is an interesting question, but there are implications in that, meaning, so you better do what Jesus would do. Another setup for failure. I can't I can no longer emulate Jesus, then I can live a sinless life, that I can do a bunch of other things. It's 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 set up for failure. Yeah. And in fact, you know, instead of wondering what would Jesus do and try to copy him or conjure up something, if you simply rest in the finished work, you will know what he would do because he is living in you. Mm-hmm. And you will see how he will, he will respond. Christ in you will respond to that situation. But it's not something we try to emulate or copy, but it's simply resting in the finished work and believing on him. He will show up in our life. Which is life in the Spirit. Resting in what Christ did on the cross is living in the Holy Spirit, which you're going to end up doing more, but it's now going to be the fruit of the Spirit in you, God doing it through you. So it's kind of a cake. Get your cake and eat it too. Rest in Christ and those good works you had a desire to try hard to do but couldn't do them, those are going to flow out of you through effortlessly through your effort. It'll be the effort of the Spirit in you. So, Mark, real quick, I think before we move on from this, I just wanted to back up what you said with the verse. You said uh, uh, basically resting is another way to say believing. In fact, in the same chapter, if you go up a couple of verses, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 3, for we who have believed do enter that rest. And if you go further up, right, actually, in fact, let me read from uh, um, uh, verse 2. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So basically, they heard the gospel, but they did not believe it. Therefore, they could not enter the rest. And it clearly says, for we who have believed do enter the rest. So it is again pointing back to believing. Even all the way back to the book of Zechariah, the prophet in four, God said to him, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. That means not by human might or human power, but by the spirit of God in us. That's a great model for our lives when you think about it. And it really is a great encapsulation of the gospel. I don't know how many centuries before Christ even came. I think when we talk about rest, you know, when we talk about trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, when we are talking about live the let go life or even talk about grace, most people interpret that as, oh, does it mean we do nothing? We are just sitting around all day and doing nothing. That could be, you know, that is uh, not true, right? It couldn't be further from the truth. Just want to point this verse in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. I think, uh, uh, Mark, you also alluded to that. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. So even the works that we work, they are already prepared for us. All we, simp- all we do is we simply walk into it. In other words, you know, in other way, place it says, you know, work out your salvation that God is working in. So in other words, you know, we don't work for something. We work out what God is already working in us. And in fact, like uh, Paul said, you know, I am what I am by the grace of God. And he says, you know, I labored more than anyone else. 
but you know that labor is powered by the spirit of god yeah. not by the flesh and after he said i worked harder than the rest of them he said yet not i but the spirit in me yeah. so he's definitely yet not i but the grace of god actually not i but the grace of god yeah Depends it's the same the thing yeah so i'm going to go back to your point there aj for just a moment does so people are going to ask it does that mean we sit around doing nothing and, you know, while you've given a certain part of that explanation, I am going to add uh, from a pastor that uh, I respect a, a line that he's used that I'm sure I've used before, but God isn't against effort. He is against earning. So if, he, if you feel led to do something, go do it. Follow that. But don't think God is going to change or that that's going to impact your relationship with God in any way, shape, or form. Uh, he, he may be leading you. It may be you. Sometimes you have to figure out that out until you know for sure what's what. And sometimes the way you find out is what bears fruit. You know, oh, I guess that was me because nothing, you know, nothing came of it. I tried hard. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, uh, so we can do things. And we can do things, that, especially if we feel led. And many times those will be God leading you to do things. He's not against you doing things. He is against the idea that you may have that by doing anything, you are going to get anything in return more than you already got when you accepted him in the first place. Which was everything. Yeah, exactly. Given us everything. And I, I, I like I like the way you put that, Tim. I'll just add my own little thing on there. The word effort means to work. Effort and work, according to scripture, deserve wages, earn wages. That's why effort can never be involved in our relationship with God. We put lots of effort into our jobs, into our human relationships, into pretty much everything we do, except our relationship with God, because effort does deserve, it does earn, it does merit some type of pay. We're as you pointed out, God's already given us everything on the cross. And I love in the in the parable, the prodigal son, when the, fa- when the son wanted to go back as a servant and the father would have nothing of that, put a robe on him, put a ring on him, put sandals. We're going to have a massive party. This son of mine was lost and now he's found. So then the elder son is getting jealous and he's getting mad. And he says to the elder son, who was not at his best at that moment, he said, don't you know that you're always with me and everything I have is yours? Jesus was telling that parable to us. And, you know, he gave us everything. And as he also said, he did not, uh, Romans 8, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him give us all things? If he already gave us Christ while we were dead in transgression, enemies of the cross, and just completely dead, now that we're his children, all he has is ours. So why we don't need to work for anything. We have it in him. And even if we did, you can't earn more. Yeah, while I agree with you both, I would also like to add, there is an effort that, you know, even as Christians, sometimes, you know, we can stress and sweat and, uh, you know, get all worried and nervous and uh, try to do something for God. That is mostly initiated by our um, flesh, but I think like Tim alluded, right, you know, if there's a spirit's leading, there's an effort initiated by the spirit, and we work out of our rest, not striving, not sweating, 
not worrying. But, you know, we know when God is leading us, things flow out of us. You know, it is, even though we might be working, putting in long hours, but our soul is at rest and uh, there's more energy and things fall in place because, you know, Lord is in it. But there is, a, even as Christians, you know, sometimes, you know, we can just uh, use the effort of the flesh and or the motivations of the flesh, you know, they are not that helpful. Everything has to be led by the Spirit and powered by the Spirit. I think a lot of Christians try to work out of guilt and self-condemnation. That's called penance in the Catholic religion. You did something bad, now you need to go do enough good stuff to pay for that. That is not the gospel. That's legalism and the law. And I think many do that. Oh, I'm guilty because I cheated on my wife. So now I'm going to go serve the church. I'm going to give, you know, as though they're trying to erase their own sin with good works. Yeah. I am also reminded uh, of uh, one hymn, as you're saying that, right? You know, some people work out of guilt and some people, some preaching is, you know, they are make, they make you obligated. You, you work out of obligation, not out of joy and thankfulness. In fact, there's an old famous hymn you might have heard, you know, we used to sing all the time, you know, it was never, I'm not a big fan of that one. It's like Jesus almost crying and pleading. I did, I did this for you. What have you done for me? I gave, I gave my life for you. What have you done for me? Oh, so man. Talk about so, guilting people into something yeah, yeah, and yeah. wrapping it in music. Oh, yeah. man. Oh, you never heard of that? It's a famous hymn. I've never I gave, heard of that I gave one. my life for you. What have you done for me? I'll tell you, as a worship leader, I've never <laughs> done that one, nor will I do it. Yeah, yeah. So the question that comes up out of those is, so when do you know you've paid for what you've done or given enough for, well, yeah, yeah, Jesus did this. What have you done for me? Well, I've done this, that, and the other. Well, yeah, what else have you done for me? What am I going to do to equal that? I can't do, you know, to equal what yeah, you did yeah, for me. Yeah, yeah. You know, when you get caught up in that trap, it really is a gerbil wheel that you just, the harder you work, the faster you run, you just don't get anywhere and you just get tired. And, you know, a lot of people walk away from the faith because of that. They think that's all there is. They think that is what Christ meant for us to experience in this life. No, no, yeah. it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And Paul said, do not let yourselves be burned again by a hamster wheel. No, he said yoke of slavery. That's what that is. It's just a yoke of slavery. Amen. Yeah, yeah, that is true. I think anything that... Uh, Christ's work means it's finished, right? And there is rest. So anything like the gerbil wheel or I think hamster wheel is easier for me to say. <laughs> so I vote for hamster wheel. But um, any kind of hamster wheel kind of situation doesn't matter, right? Even these resolutions, they never end. You keep on resolving, resolving, resolving. Like anything that doesn't end does not belong to God. Because God, when he created, even at the beginning, right, after he finished his work, after he created everything we need, the birds, the fish, the fruits, the trees, then he created man to enjoy. And similarly, when um, these are all pictures in the Bible of heaven itself. And when the Israelites went to land of Canaan, he said, you know, you will have fruits that you did not plant, and you will have digs that you did not, uh, wells you did not dig, and the buildings you did not build. So they also entered into a finished work. Similarly for us, we enter into a finished work 
and when we had, what did uh, adam and eve do in the garden all day long they might have just played around they might have eaten the fruits they were just enjoying god's creation enjoying also involves physical activity and when we say rest it doesn't mean that there's no physical activity or sitting in the couch all day long that's not what but our part is to enjoy the finished work of lord jesus christ that's how we work out our salvation and in enjoying the work of lord jesus christ we bless others i'm a firm believer that you know we bless others out of the overflow not by striving not sacrificing not you know let or not giving things out of uh, grudge or misery right oh i do because i have to do because christ sacrificed i have to sacrifice if you go with that attitude i don't think you'll never have joy in serving we bless others we give to others out of the overflow and abundance because we have so much what else can we do we just let it overflow and give it to others that's why god told abraham you know i will bless you and you will be a blessing you know there's a minor uh, very very small subtle difference i think one word most people interpret this as i i will bless you so that you will be a blessing but the bible doesn't say so that it says and i will bless you and you will be a blessing that means i'll bless you so much out of your overflow you will bless others that's awesome Ajay, what were the words to that hymn again? I gave, I gave my life for you. What have you given for me? So there are multiple stanzas like that. Everything starts with I did, I did, I did this for you. What have you done for me? Right. Now, that hymn is presupposing that the reason Christ died was to get us to do things for him. The reason Christ died was to make us sons and daughters of his father. So they've they've got the whole purpose that Christ died wrong. He didn't die so then he could hold it over us to get us to do things he wants us to do. That's not the Christian life. Yeah. I think their the intention I would think is uh, they just want to use the love of God to get us to do things for God in response. More like do things for the church I would imagine, Ajay. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, seriously, yeah. you know. Yeah. It's like, to me, it's blatant manipulation. I don't mean to come down too hard on the writer, but that's that's pretty emotionally manipulative, you know. Not only that, I think also feeling self-obligated, right? Always looking inward and thinking that I'm not doing enough for God. I should be doing more. I should be doing more. Even if you think I should be doing more for God, that's again unfinished work. It will never be completed. so i think it is out of that i think out of good intentions and out of gratitude oh god did so much for me what am i doing for him so that kind of inward looking attitude that sounds good but again there's no end to that right no matter how much you do you can never match what the lord jesus christ did for us you will still come short so the real way to work out is you know you simply walk into the good works that lord already prepared for us you are not working together with christ to finish work you are actually receiving the finished work and simply walking in it there's a difference mark you asked that him is actually called uh, i gave my life for thee by francis huvergal and the apropos parts there's four verses that, but they all end in i did something like the first uh, first verse i gave i gave my life for thee what hast thou done for me the second one is i left i left it all for thee hast thou left ought for me 
Uh, oh, yeah, it's it. it's it's just guilt upon guilt upon guilt. I've borne, <laughs> I've borne, I've borne it all for thee. What hast thou done for or borne for me? And finally, wow. I bring, I bring rich gifts to thee. What hast thou brought to me? Oh, let's get a little money in there for the church too. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's see that. There, it reminds me of that scripture that says, and, and you said it, it seems like a good, well, how did you put it out? It seems like a good thing. It looks religious. It looks pious, but it lacks any power. Paul said yeah. that kind of living, that kind of thinking lacks any kind of power. And it, it's like you said, it's just you're guilting somebody. That's not the gospel. That's a perversion of the gospel. Yeah. It's also against grace, right? You know, grace means free. It's a free gift. So let's say you give me a Christmas gift and every day you're asking me, hey, I gave you a Christmas gift. What are you giving me? Then it's no more a gift. So it is, one is prepayment, the other is postpayment. It's like Jesus is asking us for postpayment. Hey, you know, it's almost like I saved you on a credit card. You know, instead of paying me beforehand, you get saved and you pay me later. But either of them will nullify nullify grace. Oh, wow. That's a great point. You know what? You are unable to earn salvation, but after you get it as a free, that's like you getting a Christmas gift and wanting to pay somebody for it afterward. You know, they'll all agree. Oh no, you can't earn salvation, but after you're saved, now you better start earning it. Yeah. That was a great point you just made, Ajay. And and I don't think they see it that way, but that's what it is, you know. Because a lot of times we're real good at wrapping things up in nice flowery religious spiritual language to make to make a, a gerbil wheel look like a Corvette, you know. Well, guys, this has been a really great discussion. Um we're gonna do our I'm gonna give us each a chance to do our summaries. If you don't mind for change, I'm gonna go first. And I'm going to say something I said at the very beginning, new year, new you. If you're the person who is trying to please God, to clean yourself up so that God will accept you, to give back to God what he's, you know, more or whatever he's given you, you're you're expending your energy unwisely. Accept that the Lord has done everything for you. Rest in that idea and let him work through you. Now, that does mean you're still going to do things. But the things that you're going to do now as a result of what God says or pushes you to do, as a result of what God leads you to do, are going to be fruitful. They're going to be successful because they're live, they're powerful, they're being they're being fueled and fed by the Holy Spirit, not by our dead works or our dead bodies. So take this opportunity and, you know, really, really focus in on your beliefs, because that's where it's going to start. Ajay, why don't you go next? Yeah, so Tim, we talked about uh, resolutions at the beginning. You know, growing up as a kid, we never had resolutions, but every year we had promises from God. So I would eagerly look forward to the promise, and every time I claim the promise, and it's so exciting. Even now, I look for promises sometimes, you know, my mom gives me from the church and sometimes, you know, Lord puts a verse on my heart and I take it as a promise to run with for the year. So I thought, you know, I'll, you know, I will take a promise again and not only for us, for our listeners as well, as we enter into the new year and let us run with that promise, not only for this year, but for every year afterwards. This is a well-known verse and used for uh, promises uh, 
at the beginning of the year. So Psalm 65:11, you crown the year with your goodness and your paths drip with abundance. So let's not only take this promise, but also hold on to that. So he is going to crown our year with goodness. Everywhere we turn, every which way we turn, we bump into God's goodness. And their paths dip, drip abundance, right? As you're walking, everywhere there abundance. So Psalm 65, 11, we can take it for ourselves and for listeners as well. Well, Ajay, I personally am going to receive that one because it's a, it's a wonderful thought for a new year. Mark, I don't know if this is the right thing to do, but you get the the first last word of the year. So why don't you give us give us your words? All righty, I'll I'll try to make the most of it here. Uh, you know, just to to finish up on what Ajay said, a picture popped into my head of the things we're talking about today and what to compare it to people that are trying to, as in the hymn said, you know, pay Jesus back. Imagine you're raised your whole childhood by loving parents who clothe you and feed you and nurture you. They pay for your schooling. They take you to the doctor. Imagine when you hit 18, they present you with a bill for everything they did. They did it because they're your parents and you're their children, not to get paid back not for you to go out, get a job and work and pay them back for 18 years of love and care. That's It's ridiculous. And that's what people that are preaching this mixed gospel, adding the law and works to it are doing. They're saying, we're trying to pay back the father who loves us. So, and, and for me, this is my challenge to people this year. Don't make a new year's resolution. Instead, think about having a new year's revolution. I looked up the the uh, dictionary definition of re- of revolution, and it is a fundamental change in the way of thinking about or visualizing something, a change of paradigm, a sudden radical or a complete change. There's another word that that's also pretty much the definition for, and that's the word repentance. That comes from the Greek metanoia. I've talked about it so many times, but this word is so abused and misused in the church, it bears repeating. Metanoia literally, meta means, again, re. Noia means think with your brain. Rethink. Let that be your revolution this year. Change your paradigm of the way you think about God, the way you think about the things you do, and rest in him. Have a New Year's revolution this year. And we're all three of us thankful for that revolution that the Spirit of God brought upon us at a certain time and space. Amen. Amen. Beautiful. And guys, I just want to add here that I want to thank you for our first full year of podcasts being complete for your faithfulness in being here and, and doing this and for uh, helping as we all try to expose the one true gospel by taking away everything that isn't the one true gospel. So everybody, happy new year. We hope that you've been blessed by this or encouraged. And if you have, we encourage you to subscribe, tell your friends, tell your family, And we look forward to continuing our teaching throughout the coming year. So for all of us here at The Unveiling, Happy New Year, and we'll talk to you the next time. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Tim again. 
Thanks for listening today. We hope you were blessed by today's message. If so, we encourage you to subscribe and share our podcast with your friends and family. Our entire catalog of episodes can be found on our website at www.theunveiledgospel.com or you can listen and subscribe on most popular podcast apps. If you have any feedback or questions, you can send us an email to theunveiledgospel at yahoo.com. You can reach out to us on our Facebook page, The Unveiling Podcast, or you can leave a question or comment on our listener line at 352-398-0089. Maybe you'll hear yourself on a future episode. That's it for today. As always, God bless, and we will talk to you the next time.